apply the brakes. This is the Poetry Slowdown Podcast, presented with Jordan Bigger by Dr. Barbara Mossberg. In a dark time, the eye begins to see. I meet my shadow in the deepening shade. I hear my echo in the echoing wood, a lord of nature weeping to a tree. I live between the heron and the wren, beasts of the hill and serpents of the den. What's madness but nobility of the soul at odds with circumstance? The day's on fire. I know the purity of despair, my shadow pinned against a sweating wall. That place among the rocks, is it a cave or winding path? The edge is what I have, a steam storm of correspondences, a night flowing with birds, a ragged moon, and in broad day the midnight comes again. A man goes far to find out what he is, death of the self in a long, tearless night, all natural shapes blazing unnatural light. Dark, dark my light, and darker my desire, my soul, like some heat-maddened summer fly, keeps buzzing at the sill. Which is I, a fallen man? I climb out of my fear. The mind enters itself, and God, the mind, and when is when, free in the tearing wind. Good morning, Poetry Slowdown. That is Theodore Retke, and I'm Professor Barbara Mossberg, bringing you the news we need the news we heed, the news without which men die miserably every day, according to William Carlos Williams, the physician who would know, and our producer, Zappa Johns, on California's central coast. I'm now nine time zones away. I am off the archipelago at Easter Bay in Sweden. And our show that we're talking about that is coming to you, a neighborhood near you, flying in, is about birds and what birds have to do with how we think about our lives. Birds have something profoundly, I think, to do with this work to break open the morning in each of us. And so our next show, we're going to the birds and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Here's how it started. You may remember this from years ago. Our pilot, philosopher, listener, poet, Chuck Trippy, sent a poem to me. I opened up my email in my hurried day and slowed down to read this junko. It comes to join me just now out of my window, dear the bird of winter in its tones of slate surprise flitting on the fallen leaves. So that was the poem. 
And my first question was, forgetting everything else I had to do right then, what is the it? It comes to join me just now. Is it an idea, a thought, a realization brought by an external something, the bird of winter? Is the speaker talking to someone addressed or thought of as dear? It comes to join me just now out of my window, dear, the bird of winter? Or is it an address to the bird, dear, an apostrophe, as in, dear bird of winter, and are you coming to join me? And is what makes it dear, tones of slate, is surprise, in tones of slate, surprise, flitting on the fall of these, is it a modifier of slate, like a surprising tone of slate, or is the adjective slate a slate surprise? What is that? Perhaps the slate surprises the bird. The bird is surprised, this slate-colored bird flitting on the fallen leaves, except it says, tones of slate surprise. Oh, it's the tones that surprise. Hmm. Or could it be read, the bird of winter and its tones of slate surprise, as a verb, flitting on the fallen leaves. Oh, poetry, slow down. The sound of it plays off. Me, dear, bird, winter, this ear sound. E, er, er, er. Me, dear, bird, winter. Tones could be color, but color is slate or musical. But listen to the lines. Tones of slate surprise. Tones of slate surprise. All those S's, S, S-L, surprise. Then the flitting, like the slate sound, flitting, fallen, and wrapped up with leaves, which brings together the ear cluster and the S, and somehow joins with surprise, leaves, surprise, the ears, like leaves, I'm left with two words jumping out at me, pondering how they belong. The deer strung out there floating when, when uh, he says, it comes to join me just now out of my window, deer, the bird of winter. Almost like out of the window, the view where one's eyes go and it's one is inside just now. Deer just hangs out there. And so does the word surprise which the left-brain, white-coated, clipboard-carrying, brow-furrowed reader tries grammatically to order. That's what we try to do, isn't it, poetry? Slow down. What is that word surprise doing at the end of the line? Is it a noun or a verb? Does it belong to slate? And if so, how could it? Or is it referring to what follows, the sound of a bird in the leaves? And if so, is the window open to hear this? So... I'm left with an image of a sensibility aware of what is going on outside the window on a winter day at that exact moment of just now with the mind, my mind, worrying the words dear and surprise, like fingered prayer beads. And these seem like good words to keep in mind going about our day, dear and surprise. Meanwhile, poetry slow down. I don't know what Junko means, and the dictionary doesn't help. But when I Google it, of course, it is a dark-eyed winter bird 
and I end up spending the morning reading about the Junko, never mind the rest of my day, and reflecting on the human mind that sees the world in such detail, with such attention, and giving to what is out there such respect and affection, calling this bird genial, what a friendly mind is watching birds and even having that conception to think in this way. And I don't know my birds. The birds I know are learned from literature. Nabokov's Pale Fire, Poe's The Raven, Yates, Swans and Falcons, Coleridge's Albatross. And I try to express herons and cranes in my poetry and songs because of Leonard Cohen's Bird on the Wire. I see birds on the wire and think of him. Anne Murray's Snowbird, fly away, away with you. And Bob Marley's Don't Worry About a Thing. His lines, woke up this morning, smiled at the rising sun. Three little birds sat on my doorstep singing a song that's pure and true. This is my message to you. Ooh, ooh. So I find myself looking for birds, noticing birds, letting them into my consciousness in a new way because of songs and poems about birds. The world becomes more real to me through poetry. I become more sighted, open-eyed, and I realize to see birds, to notice them, you um, can't be going too fast. You have to slow down, be at essential standing speed, and even that's too fast. You have to be sitting or lying and still. Your mind has to be at rest and open, and if you are still, then you can see the motion of the world, the birds some of our most ancient companions on Earth. But Professor Doc Mossberg, Dr. B, I like work in an office in a city. Where am I going to be sitting in line and looking at birds, except pigeons on the plaza where we sit eating from the carts? I live in an apartment. Where am I seeing birds? And my husband, Christer, wants to see birds in Oregon, so he puts up a bird feeder to bring them close, and what happens? You already know. You already are saying seven pumper. No, no seven pumpers, but yes, squirrels, and sometimes a bull jay, but mostly squirrels. So I realize that to see birds is necessarily to be in a natural universe of trees and plants and flowers, but even so, it is to be in such a way that we can really see them, and that may be Maybe, may, I'm just saying, I'm just playing in poetry because it's may, because I'm thinking now of something else. One of our listeners sent me a story about crows in the city. Crows are so smart. They have figured out how to wait for a light to change before they fly down to pick up the nuts they've dropped on the street for cars to drive over. We could call them car nutcrackers so they don't get run over themselves. So there are city birds. But one sure way to notice birds and have them in our life out our window is in poetry because poets are Whitmanly 
my spell check corrects this as wit manly, lying and loafing and taking their ease, Thoreau on his four-hour walks, John Muir on his ten-hour walks covering one mile, Mary Oliver taking off the day, wouldn't you? What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Dickinson, perched at her second-story window, eyes open, pen and notebook in hand, day in and day out, pondering this tremendous scene, this whole experimenting green as if it were her own. They are our observers, our citizen scientists at the watch. And so we are going to hear some of the poems about birds on our next show. And you know what, dears of the poetry slowdown, it turns out when you think of it, surprise, that birds are a major topic of poetry. Name your favorite poet, there's a bird. So we'll hear a few. And in the process, we'll explore what birds mean to us in our journey of learning about being human, the gift of consciousness of being alive on earth in this form, with these brains, our purpose here. What can we learn from how some poet somewhere looks up at the sky or at a bush or grass and sees something with eyes, two feet, but also wings, who can walk and hop on ground like us and then at the drop of a hat lift off soar. Imagining this, I thought of a word for the community of listeners of the poetry slowdown, a flight. We join each other in the air through airwaves, ricocheted from space. Sonically, we're connected by vibrations, our ear canals, our brain pathways as birds. And as birds communicate and navigate with celestial processes, it's not a flock exactly. We're all over the place. We're in Texas and New Jersey and Manhattan and Princeton and Westwood and Carmel Valley, Pacific Grove, Eugene, Estes Park, Alaska, England, Poland, Australia, Vermont, Santa Cruz, Washington, D.C. We're teenagers, we're retired, we're professional poets, we're teachers, we're physicians and scientists, we're caregivers, we're singers, we're grandmas, we ride motorcycles, we pilot planes, we practice law and yoga. And we live on the 20th floor. We live on a cattle ranch. But we are all here at this moment, joined physically and literally in our brains. Well, I will think of this metaphor, and you think too. The physics of our community. You know how in quantum theory experiments with matter when you get the nano level and you split the smallest entity we can imagine and you take one half of it and take it to Paris? That's the side I want to be on, you say, and I'm with you there and the other you have in Los Angeles, and you poke the one in L.A. and set it quivering, and at the same instant, even on different time zones, that other part in Paris is carrying on identically as if it too were poked. Well, that's us at the Poetry Slowdown right here and now. We're all connected by listening to a poet who perhaps wrote down these lines hundreds of years ago in some garden. And what are those years? What are those miles? Nothing. It is all here in the now, which dwells in our right brain, where all is groovy, literally. I was thinking of us as a stand, as we call birches, that are trees above ground, but all connected in our root systems underground, one organic entity arising from earth, or in this sense, an understand of listening community, or an understanding, an understanding of listeners. This expresses the organic wholeness of my sense of our community, bonded by the sound of the word, thinking about poetry, our common ground. But the flight idea, 
and its relation to birds and what poetry does to us, how it takes our mind and lifts off to places we can never get to on our feet, the soaring brain travel. Dickinson said, the brain is wider than the sky. Well, I will keep thinking, and you too. So the poems we will feature on noticing birds are fellow creatures who inspire us, and whom I now realize that to see and know requires botany, bi biology, art, I'm dazzled by the vocabulary required and flamboyantly displayed in the discussion of bird characteristics, physics, and who knows what else. Oh yes, of course, poetry. Poetry opens up to sea. So here's starters for our eye-opening lineup. Poe, his raven. T.S. Eliot, birds from selected poems. Emily Dickinson, bird poems. John Muir, his water ouzel. Mary Oliver from American Primitive and her snow geese poems. Shelley, his Ode to the Skylark, Keats, his Ode to the Nightingale, James Wright, his Chicken Hawk, Lying in a Hammock, William Carlos Williams, his White Chickens, Gerard Manley Hopkins, his Falcon, his Bright Wings, Yeats, his Falcon, his Swan, then Wallace Stevens' Birds, and we'll look at contemporary poets and classic poets and the Sphinx, and Rolls of Birds as Prophecy, Birds in Our Language, Peter Pan, I've Got to Crow, I'll Share My Poems on Cranes and Herons, which I don't start out to write about. I start out trying to write a love poem to my husband, and somehow it always takes place looking at birds and ends up about these birds. That's where love takes us, flights. And this is where hearing from you takes me, the mind's flight. So write me at drb at barbaramossberg.com or barbara.mossberg at gmail.com. Let me know how and when you listen. And producer Zappa Johns and I will be on the case to make sure we are here for you. Here, here, slowing down for the news without which men die miserably every day. But not you, not us. Oh, poetry, slow down flight. Thanking all of you and you, dear listener, in my mind and heart this May day. So this show is coming to you. If the shoe fits, hear it. Let's get out there and go a man. I'm just saying, I'm Professor Barbara Mossberg. Dappled and drowsy and ready to sleep. Let the morning time drop all its petals on me. Life, I love you, always groovy. <laughs>